Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. On today's show, we revisit a disappointing weekend for your Charlotte Hornets. And David, do Charlotte Hornets All-Stars get a boost in their performance after All-Star Weekend? We investigate. Let's hope so. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Monday. Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every single day. Whenever you need it, I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. It's West Coast Week. Doug, are you ready? I, I'm never ready for West Coast Week, David, because it means staying up until you know midnight, 1 o'clock. Oh, no, no, it doesn't. Uh, it, uh, well, it's, it's, I mean, maybe, who knows? It might not for the people that are listening to this, uh, but... Uh, it's brutal. You know, we we will do what we have to do so that we can analyze uh, what happens this week and bring it to you. This is the perfect week, by the way, to listen to the show because I know there are, are a lot of people out there that will have to get some recap of, of these games. They can't stay up till 1 o'clock, so make nah. sure you're tuning in to us all week, and we will give you the breakdown of everything that's happened. And hopefully, David, this week is a little less tumultuous in terms of uh, the news than it was this week because I'll last week and this weekend especially I'll be honest David um, I've been it's been tough for me to focus on in in basketball you know to to really concentrate on sports And, and I know that for a lot of fans and for myself as well sports can be uh, an escape from everything that's going on in, in the real world. But I think when when the real world becomes so absurd and and the news so uh, demoralizing, it, it's tough sometimes to concentrate on sports. And I was in the arena uh, for the uh, game against Sacramento, and you've got the national anthem playing, and you've got um, you've got uh, the, it's being sung by uh, some World War II esque uh, USO type singers. And uh, you juxtapose that uh, with with some of this news uh, and some of the actions taken by the Trump administration towards uh, refugees that, in my mind, David, really, really tear away at the, the fabric of what makes this country this country, what makes us Americans, what makes us human beings, what makes us um, – uh, what, what we identify with. Um, right. and, yeah. and I know we have some international listeners as well that have a different perspective, but, uh, it's just been, it's just been a tough week. And that's, that's all I, that's all I really wanted to say. It's just been tough to concentrate. So if I sound a little frazzled in this episode, I, I think that's why. I think it's, everybody's trying to wrap their head around 
the current state of things and like it's what eight days in so i would say buckle up doug <laughs> i wish you i wish we had some i you think know, look some- whatever your your political view on this is i would just challenge you to think about how um how i don't know even know the right word but how uh, discombobulated this whole process has been this executive order and that that unnerves me a little bit. That disturbs me. Just and take away the political leanings that that you and I have, and and our the, views on the act, right? The act and kind of the, the, how, the due diligence. If we you will. we we have a certain expectation of of our government that that they think things out thoroughly. That things are talk about vetting. That executive orders are vetted, and and then when when an action taken by the government seems so uh, seems to be done with so little forethought about how those actions will be um, received and how they will be executed, uh, it is is unnerving. So I I would just challenge everyone to uh, continue to stay informed, I think is the biggest thing, is don't don't put your head in the sand. Again, whatever your political affiliations are, um, don't stick to sports either. (laughs) I I hate that phrase. Um, no, yeah, the, staying informed would probably be me, uh, looking into other podcasts and sources of information outside of ours too. Yeah, <laughs> don't. Yeah, we don't. are stretching ourselves a little. Well, that's bit. the thing. I'm not. I'm not diving deep into the right. um, political ramifications of this or or the minutia. Um, but it's been crazy. But it has been, and it affects basketball too, David. We've uh, got the report from the vertical that the Bucks were mm-hmm. worried about um, traveling to Toronto with Thon Maker, who is a. Right. Uh, a Sudanese has Sudanese citizenship in Sudan. We remember Thon Maker from the draft. Big yeah, game of the draft. Yeah, and he's starting. Well, he got the start for Milwaukee, yeah. so he's a big part of their team now. And um, you know, he is a Sudanese citizen, and Sudan is one of the countries, uh, one of the seven countries named in the executive order. So they were worried about traveling to Canada and getting him back into the country. And and again, it's it's because of uh, you know how um, sudden. This executive order was was put into effect, and um, there are a lot of ramifications, not just for the NBA, but for for companies, and obviously for the people that were affected, detained, or unable um, a- after going through a huge approval process, uh, unable to come into the country. Uh, so again, that that's sorry we took six minutes of a basketball podcast, but not, I'm not sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry because this is a huge. Event it affects all of us as as uh, citizens of the United States and and as people as human beings. So I'm actually not sorry that we're we're not sticking to sports. But with that, uh, let's move on to basketball because it was a tough weekend for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, games Friday and Saturday back to back losses uh, in New York City against the Knicks one ten one oh seven and then they come back home to face Sacramento who was also on the second night of a back-to-back in an overtime game against Indiana. They dropped that one, another close loss, 109-106. Hornets now losers of four in a row, two games under five hundred, and an eighth place in the Eastern Conference. David, tough times for the Charlotte Hornets. What went on this weekend? What, what, are, what are some of the major themes you're seeing? Well, the collapse in New York, I think, was demoralizing for most people watching. And probably you guys would probably agree with that out there. I mean, I, I did get a note that the Sacramento loss is the worst one of the season, but I, that New York one was, was, was bad in a lot of ways because 
they had many chances to close that out, and you felt that. And what was it, six minutes or so, Doug, when, without a, a basket or without a score um, in the fourth quarter there? Yeah, that was the, the that was doing. it was six. Yes, yeah, about six eleven. That was the big stretch. A lot of three point shots go begging for yeah. the Hornets. Yeah, and and that was a chance to close it out. And you know, we've seen this. It's almost every time you play the Knicks. If you, if you get it close, if if it's a close game, they're going to go down into Carmelo. And <laughs> I mean, how many times have we seen that? How many times have we seen him posting up MKG and, and no, you know, shots at MKG? Look, that's what that's what Melo does. If he does anything, that's what he does uh, late in games. Yeah, and to, he was. To, he to only had out the Hornets at least. Yeah, he only had 18 points, one of seven from beyond the arc. I mean, that's all you can yeah. ask for in terms of your right. defense and and stopping Carmelo Anthony. He was not a uh, major factor in all four quarters. He was just a major factor when it mattered. And you can extrapolate that to the Sacramento game as well. I mean, um, well, I mean, Demarcus Cousins had a big game <laughs> all for yeah. all, all, all the whole time he played. He had a big game, but yeah, um, he you know when when it is close, uh, other teams have an ability to send it into their superstar and beat the Hornets. That has been a theme uh, that has rolled through this season, and that's why I think you see Steve Clifford stressing, especially in the game against New York, their poor start. And you can't get off to a poor start. You can't set yourself up for a close game because I feel like in years past, the Hornets have been good at, at, at close games. You've, you, we had the cardiac Kimba shirt last season with At The Hive. There was an expectation that the ball was going to get to Kimba and that he had a better than than not chance of hitting it. That was the perception at least. And I don't feel that perception this season. There has been a lot of bad execution in the fourth quarter. Um, and they teams have been forcing the ball out of Kimba's hands. And you yep. look at that Sacramento game. It came down to the final bucket. Kimba had to give the ball up. It goes to Frank Kaminsky. And it uh, was airmailed. Uh, air hey, how, how quiet between the when that shot went up and when it hit absolutely nothing. <laughs> I, mean, I said I was in my TV, seat. Yeah, I was in TV, my I was in it, my seat for was, a few minutes. It didn't. It was eerily silent. I mean, it was noticeably just, just dead silent as guys were walking off the court in that game. That was uh, that was a gut punch. It felt like to was, just suck the air out of that and, building. And, and here's the thing: credit to the fans. The fans were awesome in that game. Saturday yeah, night game. Yeah. You know, you're going to pack the building, but everyone was active. Fans were standing up throughout that that final sequence in the fourth quarter. Really. Uh, giving uh, giving the Hornets some, and the Hornets played well in in that fourth in the quarter. Fourth. Uh, mm-hmm. They played good defense. Held the let's see, held uh, Sacramento to 20, 24 in the fourth quarter. That's enough, um, especially after giving up thirty three in the third. Uh, you mm-hmm. you like to see that from the Hornets. They just didn't have enough. Uh, again, Sacramento, same thing as New York. The Hornets didn't have enough offense in that first half. That second quarter was brutal for the Hornets. And they, again, one of eight from beyond the arc, David, missed threes. They are, I think it's hurting the momentum in terms of their offense. And they couldn't get on get on any kind of run in that second quarter to to start to separate themselves from Sacramento. And mm-hmm. and it ended up being a close game, but three point shooting, I think, and not a, I don't think a lot of people are really talking about it because there are issues defensively for this team that are easier to sort of spot and and deal with. And Clifford talks about defense a lot, but I think their inability, and we've been harping on this a lot on this podcast that. The offense is contracted now. There are a lot of MKG mid-range shots. There are a lot of Nick Batum mid-range shots. And when they do shoot threes, they're not going in consistently enough. 
and it it is preventing them from going on on serious runs and separating themselves from from teams that they should beat. They should have beaten yeah. Sacramento at home, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think so. Especially on the, on the back-to-back, right? And you're playing at home. They're traveling, like you said. So 37 threes shot in that game, Doug. I mean, that, that feels like a lot for this team, especially when they're not hitting at that rate. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that that was – you could feel it coming. It was the same type of thing, right? They, they got out to a slow start. They did make a run back, um, you know, to take the lead. But, like you said, it goes down back and forth. I mean – Cousins is just a beast, and you had Marvin trying to do his best on him, but that's I, that that is just not a viable option. You what? know what I mean? I, it's it's the only option they had that that you know at that time. We haven't mentioned Cody, of course, is still out, and they've only won one game, and he's been out this season. So that's obviously a big key too. Cody Zeller is is definitely missed at the Hive. Did a whole. A breakdown of, of what they are missing, but we know that you know he has such a relationship with Nick Batum in the pick and roll, and uh, he's a versatile defender. You you know you had Marvin Williams working so hard to get in front of Demarcus Cousins and prevent him from scoring. That's going to affect his offense. That level mm-hmm. of input on defense will affect his offense, and he was two of eight from from beyond the arc. Frank Kaminsky was two of eight. He was one of four in the fourth quarter against Sacramento. So uh, at the end of the game from beyond the arc. So, um, Doug, yeah, real quickly, uh-huh. first half Hornets three of 18 from three. Right. I mean, it's, it's killing, it's killing their momentum. What concerns me the most though, David, when I look at these box scores and when I, you know, when I watch the game is sure. that, okay. Versus New York, they get 31 from Kemba and they get 15 plus from three other players. So Kimba got help on the road in New York. Yeah. They lose the ball game. And that's right. why I was, that's why that one was so crushing. Yeah, and and you look at the Knicks ga- or the the game against the Kings at home where they're more comfortable. Kimba Walker, 8 of 16 from the field, 3 of 6 from beyond the arc, gets the line for 8 attempts, 26 points. Nick Batum, 6 of 11, 54% from the field, 3 of 6 from beyond the arc, 50% from 3. Seven assists, seven rebounds, nineteen points. Your guard play is is your asset, your best asset on this team. You lose the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Okay. So, so one, that's the that. big concern. Yeah, and I, well, we've been asking for Nick to come out and score a little bit, and he did that. He was he did that. He's doing that of late. You know, we we may have failed to mention that he was coming off some of that injury. You know, I think is maybe a slump. Hopefully, it's something to, to do with that. Maybe he's over that now. So if you can get that backcourt in shape, you know, that's one thing. But it's like that the whole season, right? It's like, all right, well, let's fix this. And if we can just fix this, that'll right the ship. And now we got to plug this hole over here. And so especially with Cody out, it's tough. And all of a sudden, the bench is not giving you enough. And I think that's really hurting him. I mean, especially in that Kings game, you didn't have hardly any contribution significantly from the bench, I thought. And you mentioned, of course, I mean, Frank's going to get killed for that shot. Right, Doug? I mean, it's just – it's probably the the last thing he needed at this point. It was a wide-open shot, and he just short-armed it. Um, but the bad news was, you know, only eight points otherwise, only seven from Marco. They were a combined six of 20 uh, from the field in that game. And that's just – you know, that's just not good enough. And they the both teams, the Knicks and the Kings, got big contributions from bench players. And um, you had Willie Cauley-Stein, 6 of 7 from the field, 13 points. 
and Brandon Jennings for the Knicks ended up with uh, six of eleven from the field, fifteen points. Kylo Quinn, uh, Kylo ten, Quinn killed hit, him. Hit the big three on a again uh, just a simple defensive breakdown. And here's I'm gonna call I'm gonna call out what I saw and the reasons why Brandon Jennings got fifteen points and the reason why Willie Colley Stein got thirteen points. They are related. You think well, Willie Colley Stein, he's a big. And Brandon Jennings, he's a point guard. What's the big – how is that similar? Because it started with breakdowns defensively from the guards, both Kimball Walker and Ramon Sessions. Uh, in the Kings game, it was Ramon Sessions not being able to stay in front of um, Malachi Richardson or Bellinelli, too, wasn't able to stay in front of Malachi Richardson, who, if you remember, David, uh, was the – the draft pick. pick that the Hornets had the rights to, they had the rights to Malachi, and they traded that that draft pick to oh, the Sacramento uh, Kings for Marco. I don't know if you remember yes. this. It, was, I don't, oh, it, wasn't, yes. it wasn't a big oh, deal. Yes. People didn't really talk about it. <laughs> I recall. Um, so, uh, you know, that penetration allowed Willie Cauley-Stein to get free and uh, get those points. And then back to the Knicks game, Brandon Jennings. I'm just going to be honest, David. I mean, he, he ripped Kimball Walker apart. And we've we've seen Kimball Walker play better defense than this, and uh, we know he's capable of it. But it was just a, and this isn't a um, uh, an indictment of his season. It's just an indictment of that game. Uh, you, you know, you have to understand the threat that is Brandon Jennings. I mean, he's a scorer. He's not going to hurt you mm-hmm. in other ways, and couldn't stay in front of him. And, and it, it's killed the Hornets at different points in the season by different players, one on one defense, not being able to stay in front of your man. And it killed them against the Knicks. And the last thing for me, Doug, turnovers. They lost the turnover battle in both of those games, particularly in the Nick game. There were just way too many early on unforced errors, like really odd passes across the court with literally no one standing there. And, you know, in a, what, uh, three-point game and uh, a two, yeah, two three-point losses, you know, those turnovers are the little things that add up. And Clifford wasn't as fired up, certainly, as he was after the Warriors game, after the Kings game. Maybe just hoping to take it easy on the guys because they had this West Coast week. But that has got to just burn him up inside because that's one of the advantages the Hornets had. I mean, that's why they were winning, especially early on in the season and going back to last year, that turnover advantage. You know, Zach Lowe used to always say they start the game, what, up four points, basically, because they never turn the ball over. And that's if that's not going that way, then – they're not going to win, Doug. I mean, that these little things, that turnover margin especially, is one of the keys to them winning, staying healthy, having all their guys as well. But if that stuff's not there, it's going to be tough for them to win otherwise. Yeah, 11 turnovers in that Sacramento game. So that's basically on par on average with what, with what they are allowing this season. But the problem is, David, that I've seen over this four-game losing streak is that these turnovers are – Bad pass turnovers that don't happen in the paint. And so your defense doesn't have enough time to react and recover. And, and they're leading to fast break points. I mean, you look at the fast break points for Sacramento, 10 versus 3 for Charlotte. So that's a 7-point advantage. And then those 11 turnovers uh, lead to 14 points for Sacramento. And, and it's because these turnovers are bad pass turnovers that are happening above the free throw line. And those are the most devastating turn. We talk about creativity turnovers those are are those hurt your team less or and and really like um a traveling call 
uh, the, these type of turnovers that, again, your defense has the time to reset, those are, those are lost possessions, so you hate them, but you hate them a little less than some of the turnovers where you have Nick Batum or, or another player drive and just simply lose the handle and Sacramento gets a chance to run. Sacramento killed the Hornets with the speed lineup of Darren Collison and Ty Lawson. And they did the, the, the most frustrating thing, David, about that Sacramento game is that the Hornets did such a good job to fit the, 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 the defense the defensive plan was clear. Guard the wings close, Garrett Temple and uh, Darren Collison and Aaron Aflalo. Guard those guys tight, and, and Nick Batum did a great job of doing that, and prevent Cousins from having kickout opportunities. And then they doubled down on Cousins when he got into the paint. It was a, a great defensive plan, and the problem was they couldn't get enough offense going in the first half for it to matter. And that's been the most frustrating part of this season is that we've said it on the show. You plug one hole and three more open up. Yeah. So that begs the question, David, that everyone's asking, that even Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer is asking, do these losses, they're piling up now, is it, is it, necess- is it absolutely necessary that they make a trade at this point? Uh, they need a shakeup, Doug. I mean, the problem is the the assets, right? Like, what exactly are they going to give up, and what would they be able to get back? But I think that's what we've seen in the past. It was the thing that kind of punched them in the arm last year, uh, or shot in the arm, I should say, with Courtney Lee coming in. Who we should say uh, destroyed the Hornets uh, <laughs> in New York after <laughs> we, we kind of pooped his. <laughs> we don't have to go back and revisit that. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels like I don't know what else they can do with the current group. Getting healthy would help for sure, but they've got to add. It just feels like whether it's the, the trade or in the offseason or in some of these signings, they got to get some of these guys, Doug, that especially on the wing, I think, um, are just a little bit more. And you said it before, like, you know, ath- athletic is the wrong word, but like, explosive, right? Be able to create it on their own and be explosive offensively and defensively for that matter. But I mean, a shooter would certainly help at this point. What are your thoughts on a trade? It's going to be tough, but I mean, Joe's done That's it before. Yes, I, I mean, it's easy to say, yes, this team needs a trade. They need to make a move. I'm, I'm sure Rich Cho is probably in his office going, yeah, easier said than done, guys. The trade market right. is clogged up right now for a variety of reasons because there's a, still going to be a lot of money in the offseason, so teams are less willing to make moves because uh, they want to see what they can do in the offseason. And um, because the contracts are so, they're so bipolar at this point. You've got you've got contracts that are extremely uh, cheap on one end, uh, with like Haws and Lambs type of contracts, and then you've got the big bloated deals that were signed uh, in the off season. So things are so weird right now and off kilter. And um, and also, I think both conferences are a little top heavy. So there is a, probably a sense of um, uh, you know not wanting to to make a big move or move a big piece. Um, and uh, you know, fall out of the uh, fall out of the playoffs, or the the sense that you don't really have a chance to compete with those top heavy teams. So why make a move? I think all and of those the, things are going yeah. against a trade and, being made. Right, and that's the flip side to it. It's like I still think healthy they make the playoffs. I mean, that's just my feeling because look what's around them. The Bulls are whew, <laughs> crashing towards the earth right now, even though they won the other night. So I think not that it would be easy, of course, but I think they have the talent on that roster. They stay healthy to still make the playoffs. And, you know, I don't think that was the goal for this year, to be honest. So I don't know if that is good enough. I think the goal was to win a playoff series, preferably from a top four spot. 
Okay, I'm gonna save this. We're kind of running out of time here, so I don't want to. I don't want to dive into these. I've got some cool All Star boost numbers because Del Curry uh, mentioned uh, that. You know what? No, we'll tackle it. We've got enough time. We'll tackle it. Come on. Uh, okay, we'll do it. Um, all right. So Del Curry mentioned um, in the game against New York that he played with some guys in Charlotte that got a boost after the All Star break. And so I wondered to myself, uh, let's. I, I just wanted to go back into the numbers and and look at some Charlotte Hornets who have been to the to the All Star game and find out what their numbers were uh, after the All Star break compared to before the All Star break. That's easy to look up and see if maybe Kemba could be due for an All Star boost. So we'll we'll ask that question at the end. But just first diving into these numbers. So uh, the Hornets have had. Uh, what, seven other players, mo- a couple of multiple-time guys like uh, Larry Johnson went twice, Rice went three times, but one, two, three, four, five, six. No, Kemba is the seventh player, so six players, um, six Hornets All-Stars before Kemba. And overall, I'd say, yeah, there there is a, a, a tiny little bit of a boost. Uh, the biggest boost uh, came from probably Glenn Rice in 96-97, a.k.a the uh, all-star MVP season, his points per game went up from 25 to 29. His true shooting went up from 59 to 62. And his three-point percentage went from 45% before the all-star break, David, to 50%. So Glenn Rice uh, got a huge boost. Um, LJ and his two, he got a slight uptick in his first run in 92-93 in rebounding and assists, but his scoring was pretty much the same. Uh, scoring an efficiency slightly down in 94-95, but he did get a 1.3 boost in his assist numbers. But LJ was such a unicorn. I mean, he was he just was able to do it all in a, in a time when, when guys his size weren't able to do it all. And yeah. um, so it, his numbers were already so fantastic that it's a little unfair uh, to, to kind of judge him on that basis. Uh, how about your guy Eddie Jones here, David? 99-2000. Right. Points down one. <laughs> assist down point okay. six, uh, okay. but his efficiency numbers were relatively the same, and he was second team go. All NBA. So, you know, yeah. a lot of these things, it's like they they pr- pretty much stayed the same. So it's there 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 either was a boost or they stayed the same. One guy that didn't stay the same though, uh, inexplicably, I'd have to go back and really study that season to find out why. But Baron Davis. Uh, his all-star year was 2001-2002, the year that um, he uh, competed in the dunk contest. Right. Uh, but after the all-star break, uh, points went down 2.4, but his efficiency was the same. So why did his points go down? Well, his usage percentage was down three points. His rebounding mm-hmm. and assist numbers stayed relatively the same. So for whatever reason, in that uh, last year of uh, the Hornets, uh, in Charlotte, they the ball just went away from Barron um, towards the end of the season, uh, and there really weren't. Did he did he get banged up? Maybe, but there weren't there weren't a ton of. Yeah. I didn't see a lot of like major injury miss games. I mean, and I re, you know I I remember attending that final home game, and he yeah. he was playing. So, well, speaking speaking of tumultuous times, I mean that was certainly was a time of stress for the yeah. Hornets, I think, playing the Charlotte. That, so that's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, finally, just wanted to tackle Gerald Wallace here, the the only Bobcat to make the uh, to make the All-Star game. Uh, he got a little bit of a boost. His three-point percentage went up five points. His true shooting and usage percentage was the same. Points did go down 1.5, rebounding down 2.5. So Wallace 
uh, had his three-point percentage go up, but not generally a boost. But I'd say that there is evidence that uh, players uh, – look, If here's what I'm saying. If Kimball Walker can win the All-Star Game MVP, then he's got a really good <laughs> shot of having his numbers boosted. Uh, but, David, what areas do you see that Kimba could improve heading after the All-Star break? Oof! Wow. I, you know, for me, I think Kemba's is going to keep it pretty steady. It's that's kind of been the reason he was selected as an All Star. Um, I think you could maybe bump up the assist. That would be nice because that would mean some other guys were chipping in, right? So if there's an area yeah. that I'd like to see, I think it's the those assist numbers get a little boost. But he's been so solid all year, and again, I think he'll he'll continue that play. It makes sense though, right? Like especially for a first time guy. Now Kemba wasn't putting that much emphasis on it. But just to get all the talk behind you, like every interview for probably the month leading up to the All-Star game was about the All-Star game. And now those will, will go away hopefully once you know he gets back. So Yeah, you hope his some... you hope his usage percentage goes down after the All-Star break. You hope he is Sheesh. has the ball out of his hands a little more. That's a good one. And That's a good one. and that would be, I think, a pleasant sign that the Hornets are starting to turn things around because and it's a credit to what Kimba has been able to do this season, that his efficiency numbers are what they are, um, despite him having to carry such a heavy load. And he doesn't go into games anymore. That's That was a thing. When, when he did sort of develop a little bit of a, a ball hog or, or um, you know possession eater type of reputation um, several years ago, it was because mm-hmm. it felt like he started games like that. Like he started games thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a major impact in this game. But I feel like he starts games really trying to look for other guys. That sort of LeBron James-esque, um, I'm gonna, I want to get other guys involved and then make my move in the third quarter type of thing. You know, uh, he was fantastic in the third quarter against the Knicks when they, when they started yeah. to make their move. Um, but – you know, the, I think it's been fantastic what Kimba Walker has been able to do this season. And certainly uh, Hornets fans hope that he gets a boost in all of his numbers. His three-point percentage right now down to 40. It, it was it had been at around 42, 43, um, but he's been having to take a lot of three-point shots. So, again, you hope those numbers improve. Uh, not be You hope those numbers improve while his three-point attempts come down a little bit. You know, that he doesn't have to take on such a load. Okay, as we end this show, we wanted to end the show with a little Greensboro Swarm shout-out. The Hornets D-League team doesn't get a lot of time on this show, so uh, we wanted to uh, make sure it's getting its due and give a couple of shout-outs to some players that are doing really good things in Greensboro. David, we'll start with you. Who would you like to shout-out from the Greensboro Swarm? Yeah, actually, Doug, I've got a trio of young guys, Archie Goodwin, Aaron Harrison, and uh, are we going with Xavier or Xavier Munford? Let's go with both. Yeah, that makes sense. My man Mumford. Uh, but those guys are all averaging about 17, 18 points a game. The reason I point that out, I mean, it's just something to keep an eye on. I mean, we've seen Aaron Harrison, and we talked a little bit about Archie Goodwin when they pick him up. But, you know, I, I don't know if the Hornets will activate anyone else or, you know, bring him back. And Christian Wood certainly hasn't gotten any playing time. But I don't know. It's something to keep an eye on just going down the rest of the season, especially if a trade does not work out, because I don't know that they have a whole lot of options to kind of take a look at other guys. I, you know, I'm not saying we'll see any of those, but those would be three guys to kind of keep a little eye on. You mentioned Christian Wood. He is my swarm shout out. Six foot 11 power forward. He's on a two year contract with the Hornets. He's averaging a team leading 
19.6 points in 18 games played. Not quite top 10 scoring numbers in the D-League. He misses out just barely on that top 10 in the D-League. But he's been playing fantastic offensively. And defensively, he has 2.6 blocks on the season. So he is um, being active in terms of his rim protection. And he's he's crazy athletic. I mean, some of these plays where he uh, rolls to the rim – and, and just absolutely hammers down the yam, the yammer, if you will. Um, it's it's just been fantastic uh, to watch him develop offensively. And you have a lot of people, I've seen some people on Reddit, I've seen some people on Twitter ask this question. I've heard them on sports radio say, hey, why not give Christian Wood a shot? There there obviously are some issues in the front court for the Hornets with, with Hibbert, um, sometimes playing a lot, sometimes not playing a lot. Spencer Hawes, Cody Zeller's out. Frank Kaminsky mm-hmm. struggling defensively at some, at some time. And you know why not give Wood a shot? Well, I mean, I've watched a few Swarm games, and and I still have concerns about his defense in terms of uh, transition defense. Gives a lot of buckets up there. Uh, he does get a lot of blocks, but uh, he gets he gets hurt in the pick and roll. He's he's still got a lot of work to do in that arena, and. Um, I think, look, you you have to understand this. He's been called up several times. He's gotten a lot of practice time with the team, and they still haven't given him any run. And there have been opportunities to do that. And sure. I think that, you know, we, we, we have to take uh, – you have to believe something. You have to believe that they've seen this. Uh, they've seen Wood, and there are still issues that they're working out. But he's a fantastic prospect. I think in the years to come, uh, if, if he sticks around this organization, he will get some playing time. Uh, with the Charlotte Hornets, I just don't think that this year is, is that year. I just don't. I don't think that running him out against NBA because that's the thing. D League offenses are not pick and roll oriented. They're they're very. There's a lot of ISO ball. There's a lot of uh, uh, just sort of uh, jump shots that are that are taken outside of the pick and roll. But but the few opportunities that I saw him in the pick and roll uh, did not turn out well for the Greensboro Swarm, whose defense is not very good. Uh, so. Which is interesting, David, that the Swarm defense is is like last in the D League, despite the Hornets being anchored on defense. You know, that's their it's a yeah, call, it's it part of their part of their calling. Oh, sure, yeah, it's, it's year one. I understand that. Give them a break, Doug. I'm giving them a break, but that's that's my Swarm shout out, Christian Wood. Again, playing fantastic, still some issues. That's why I don't think he gets the call up. Okay, is that okay with you, David? That's good. He's looking good on the bench. The shimmies keep him coming because that that means good things are happening. Hey, David, we're not the only ones frustrated with the play right now. Got to mention our, our man Twiggy sent us an email to oh, buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. Says, look, it says, the subject is rant time. And, <laughs> and Twiggy says, I feel like we can write the script for every game for the rest of the season. Hornets get in an early hole, down by about 10 at the half. They roar out of the gates in the third, get five points up midway through the fourth, and and then just uh, play ball like a beer leaguer for the next five minutes. I love it. A lot of turnovers, missed shots, fall behind by five, and then tease us by getting back to a one-shot game and then lose. That's uh, Thank you, Twiggy, for the rant. We, we will read rants on here. We want you to get your frustrations out. Um, it, it's definitely been a frustrating time with the four straight losses. Uh, still a lot of talent on this team. Still a lot of ability on this team. It's been – that's the thing. It has been so mysterious, um, and certainly you can point to the bench and go, well, we talked about this early in the season, that the bench would struggle offensively and defensively, and they have, but there are still there have been some things uh, that have happened that, uh, that have been a little mysterious 
Uh, and, and a fourth quarter execution is definitely one of those things because that's yeah. on the starters. You know, uh, that's on that's on Kimba and Marco, and although they get Frank in there a lot, and, and there have been some inbounds issues with that, but um, it, it has been mysterious, David. Yeah, I think a lot of us feel Twiggy's pain on that one. It does start to feel like that. I mean, that's why this I think this game in Portland is massive for a lot of reasons, but just to get off to a good start. Yeah, tough West, tough West Coast road trip coming up, but it does, as David just said, start with the Portland Trail Blazers, who are struggling just like uh, the Hornets are. So it's a good uh, time for the Hornets to get back on track, and then they'll have the Golden State Warriors after that, and then wrap All this right. wrap this thing up with Utah, who they did beat earlier in the season, November eleventh. They they took down the Utah Jazz. Uh, so it, it will uh, we'll have full previews of all of those games coming up this week. So stick around and recaps too. If you can't stay up late, make sure you're checking out Locked On Hornets. That's all the time we have. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets and subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. If you've got a rant, if you're frustrated like Twiggy, send it on our way. We'll read it. Uh, We're back again tomorrow. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm the show. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go to Coke and Pepsi. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17